the guy showed up and and I thought, well, I'll talk to him. Yeah. He was just talking and I could tell he was just, you know, scared. And um, so I just talked to him for a while and then he, uh, and we prayed sinner's prayer. He got hmm. saved wow. and then he left. <laughs> I never, <laughs> there you go. I never saw him again, but I, I saw that he had died about six months after that. Wow. But I was like, wrong appointment, came to get saved that day. Welcome to the Burning Hearts Podcast. My name is Nate. I'm one of the pastors here at Burning Hearts Church. And on this podcast, it's our goal to interview different people who are part of our church, uh, help you to get to know them, learn their stories, and, and hopefully learn a little bit about their lives. And so on today's podcast, I've got a very, very special guest. This is Dr. Ted Sachuk. He He's one of the uh, founding fathers of Burning Hearts Church and uh, a spiritual father to me as well. And so I'm I'm really excited to, to hear from him today. So Ted, why don't you say hi to the listeners hi it's an honor be, honor to be here today so i'm um, happy to talk to you and it's an honor to have nate interview me and it's an honor to be considered one of his spiritual fathers so thank you yes yeah so before we jump into maybe some of the deeper questions you know a lot of people see you ted uh, they see you on sundays and they think of you as as jana's husband or they think of you as as dr ted but i thought it'd be kind of fun for people to get a little get to know a little bit about um, the fun side of you. And so, uh, why don't you tell the, the listeners what you like to do for fun? Yeah, sure. So, um, I have uh, three children and a wonderful wife, Jaina, uh, as you all know her. And so, hanging out with family is probably the most important thing that I like doing. It's uh, Kids are moving on. I just have one left at home who's uh, in college right now, Isaac, our youngest, and the other two have, have moved on, but it's it's always fun to reconnect with them and go see them as they, but as they were growing up, that was obviously for most parents that takes a large portion of time, but it's just a wonderful thing to, to be blessed with children and then to be able to invest in them. Um, as a family, we always spend time at the lake. We have a, a lake home out in Detroit Lakes, just north of Detroit Lakes, and that was probably our main memories. Um, myself, Jana, and our kids just uh, hanging out there watching the kids grow up. And uh, when I was young, my parents had a, uh, a pretty primitive cabin on a little lake called Belcourt Lake, just north of Belcourt in the Turtle Mountains. And we spent many summer evenings out there. So I had memories like that. And uh, Jana grew up on a lake in Minnesota. So we were, as soon as we got married, we looked for a lake place and that's where we spent a lot of our time. And I love to hunt and fish. So I love fishing on the lake, I love hunting. That's what probably inspired me. You know, I wanted to come home, but uh, I spent a lot of time out east training and down south. And um, I always came back home to hunt and fish and see family. And so that's, I thought I should just live back here because that's where I, I'm always coming back to, to do things. And then, uh, and then of course, God was speaking to me also. I can't say I just came back for hobbies, but yeah. he, um, I was trying to decide, this was like years ago between two jobs. Uh, there was a good position out east being on faculty at the University of Virginia and uh, I was coming back to Fargo and actually went, talked to a pastor out there and he yeah, uh, the church I attended, and he, he just told me, he said, yeah, Ted, we'd love to have you stay here, be part of our congregation, but you should go where you're going to grow the most spiritually. And back then, that was in the early 90s, and there was just revival happening in yeah. North Dakota and Fargo. 
and that uh, I thought I need to do that and I need to go home and, and be part of that. And so that's what I did. And that's how I met Jaina. And that's how this whole thing kind of started. Yeah. We're glad you, you that it's funny how sometimes one decision can yeah. change the course of your lives in in a lot of ways but we're glad you made that decision and and now you're here um trying to continue revival in Fargo so Amen yeah so that was I mean when people ask you things you, you just never know what what the weight of your words are going to have to do but uh yeah that was great advice the guy gave me and I and, and two he was the Holy Spirit was speaking to me because I was listening to him and I knew right in my heart, okay, that's what I should do. Yeah. There was like no question that just settled it. And so that was good that, good that he said that. So. Yeah. What the old timers would call a witness in uh, your heart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, as with all of our listeners or with all of our interviewees, we like to get their, their story with Jesus. And um, I'd like you to kind of unpack that a little bit. Uh, talk about how you how you met the Lord. Um, some of maybe some pivotal moments in your life with with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, and then you have a wonderful family history um, in in revival. And and so I'd really like you to to share a little bit uh, about that with the listeners because not everybody knows knows that piece of of your life. So why don't you go for it? Sure. Then? Okay. Yeah. So. Um I accepted Christ as my Savior. I was very young, probably three or four. I mean, I was, and I don't remember why. I mean, the Holy Spirit was prompting me, but I just remember one night talking to my mom and dad and said, I need to be, I need to accept Jesus in my heart as Savior. And uh, so they just, I remember kneeling by my bed. I was like three or four and we prayed and, and that and that became that journey. I always grew up in a Christian home. My parents were were uh, devout Christians um, during that time. So that had an influence on me. And then, um, you know, the, the teenage years are just the teenage years. You're trying to um, find your way. But mm -hmm. it was uh, it was always good to have just that uh, Christian home that you're, you're growing up in. And I think that's just important. So, I mean, some people aren't always blessed with that. And I've, I've, I've thought of that, you know, like if you're, if you're like first generation Christian, it's like you can set the course for your family. You that's don't right. have to, you know, from, you can say from this day forward, you know, my family will serve the Lord, that's you right. know, um, talk about as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. So you can just set that part, that path. You can change the trajectory of your family. Maybe there was stuff in the past that you came from, but, but you don't have to have that and you don't have to live that. And that doesn't have to be your destiny. So I was blessed not to have to go through a bunch of, you know, trauma like that growing up, right. um, which is, which was just a blessing. Did you, uh, ever find yourself in any sort of rebellion or anything like that in your high school years or ever question you know walking away from the faith or anything like that you know it was probably uh it was probably later more i was in college or okay. uh yeah that uh I, I i never did i guess i can't say that i ever did i mean yeah. i always i always felt close to the lord um there were times where it was more dry i would say sure. and uh i think in, um, I remember like in, you know, I did medical school and then residency. Residency was was hard the first couple of years because you're always, um, it was like every other night calls, so you're in the hospital and then you go home for a few hours and you come back and right. it was really hard to get to church. And so I felt kind of dry then. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and there was one little church across from the hospital. They would have 
I don't have Sunday night services and I would go, there's no Baptist church. I would go there and just like, it would be just so refreshing to hear the word and just be with believers and stuff like that. And so, so I don't, I I don't, you know, I don't take that for granted. I mean, I I like um, that time of, I don't take for granted being able to assemble and get to places because there was, it was hard back then to be able to do that. And so if I I don't, I don't like missing fellowship. I don't like missing, um, my scene church just because I, uh, I remember what it was like to, to not be able to get there. Right. Um, and that's, I think, kind of why I have had a heart for, Jen and I both have had a real heart for missions and closed countries and things like that because, um, you know, we both have seen it's, you know, you can't take that for granted, um, being able to, to fellowship and get with believers. So I don't, I don't think there was a real time, but I remember that was, it was a, a dry time sure. back, back then. Um, when I was, uh, senior in college you know my father had a had a massive stroke and he had to um he'd kind of been my you know role model and he was a physician and he had to retire and he was disabled and that was a was a major transition point because i would that was extremely hard i was taken off to go to medical school and i was going down to to nashville to uh vanderbilt and um that was like two weeks before i was going to go and i wasn't sure if i was going to go and just a lot of prayer and um you know the church was really supportive my little church i grew up in Mm -hmm. and we kind of prayed and i just felt okay i'll go um but that was an extremely hard time that first year med school it was hard to even uh to be there um just with what was happening at home but god's faithful there was lots of there was a there were, I came and encountered good Christian friends that are good friends till today even. Hmm. And um, there was this, I was, I moved there to, to Nashville and I felt just like a duck out of water because I was, <laughs> <laughs> it was a southern city. I didn't know anybody there. And, and I get there and um, I look in, uh, this is how God does things. So I was just, I was lonely. I, you know, I was, um, you know, my dad was just getting out of the hospital and rehab and I'd moved away so far away. And I, uh, I just went through the phone book and uh, picked out a church. Um, it was a Pentecostal church um, close to where I lived. And I go there and it wasn't a big church, but actually the um, kind of the young adult leader was someone who I had, um, I kind of knew from like four or five years ago prior to that wow when i was in high school i went on a on a mission trip and it was it was kind of like from people all over the country to puerto rico and um she was like the adult leader and i was like i think i know you and so she was you know she kind of got me connected to church and connected to believers and they had a really good um young adults fellowship yeah and i was just like i I was so lonely and then there was someone that i knew you know and um she uh she was yeah i remember like at a prayer meeting i was just like really really feeling down the first couple months i wasn't sure if i was gonna could continue and she just had a word over me prayed over me and um and i and i could go on so i mean god was god was gracious just to find people like that but i thought that's just so him because it's like you move to a random city across the country and you go to a kind of a random church and there's someone that you know who's in it so he's faithful that's amazing yeah i have a similar story with my my first week on campus at at NDSU, I ran into uh, a girl who went to the same 
uh, church that I went to growing up, a, a small ELCA Lutheran church, and she invited me to campus ministry that week, and and that changed the course of yeah. my life. And and so it's it's just amazing yeah. what what God can do. Yeah, there's no coincidence in yeah. the kingdom, none. Yeah, that's cool. Tell tell us a little bit about um, the Holy Spirit and how you encountered Him and how you learned about Him throughout your your walk. Uh, with the Lord. Yeah, so I grew up in a in a Pentecostal church. Um, it was a small uh, Assembly God church, and um, still there. Some of my best friends still go to, are up there in Rolette. And yeah. uh, um, so I always knew about the Holy Spirit. Um, going to to youth camp, um, they'd always um, have Holy Spirit night. You know where they were yeah. <laughs> inviting people to come and and uh, and just encounter the Holy Spirit and get baptized in the Holy Spirit. So so that was. Um, I always, you know, felt that um, through, growing up, um, going to those camps, those are always precious times, just kind of like long prayer times afterwards and that kind of thing. But uh, it was it was probably later after um, I met Jaina and I got married. Um, the uh, there's a they call the hunters the happy hunters yeah some of you may remember them <laughs> yeah Joan and yeah I think the Fran- Francis, Francis yeah, yeah I think they're I don't think they're alive anymore but she um she was uh, she came she had a meeting it was like early 90s and was praying for people and um, that's when I, I really encountered the Holy Spirit I mean I just got slain in the spirit um, speaking in tongues he was uh, it was kind of uh, crazy night and crazy but powerful and life-changing night yeah <laughs> at church that night so I always have a fond spot in my heart for the for the hunters and their ministry cool and I do remember too like um, that's probably where, where Nate and I met um, when a lot of some people at the church would um, Chi Alpha Ministry at NDSU. They'd have these college retreats, and my wife and I were active in that. And they would have these these Holy Spirit nights there, and yep. those were just incredible times of being with the Holy Spirit and uh, and just encountering Him and just seeing God's glory and His presence and that kind of thing. So. Uh, I think prophecy has been important. I've, I've there are just some prophetic conferences um, Jane and I have been to where um, there's there's prophets that you know and trust, and they've given us words, and they've um, changed the trajectory of our of our lives. Um, I think if there's some in Minneapolis, um, yeah. rain conferences. I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of the birth of the church was when we started going to some of those 15 years ago yeah. and uh, encountered the Holy Spirit and, and what He was yeah. and changing our lives. That's amazing. <clears throat> Talk about family a little bit. So when I was growing up, and I didn't appreciate this till kind of later, but my um, so my grandparents were. Um, there's a big uh, Pentecostal church in, in Winnipeg, Calvary Temple. And they were they were active from the get go of that church from in the 30s and the 40s and that kind of thing. Grandfather laid the cornerstone for uh, it was a new church then in the, in the 70s that um, he was he laid the cornerstone for that and was really close to the pastor there was on the board um, and he uh, going back I think I guess it was, it was seven generations with my kids but there was a. So this is on my mom's side of the family. They go back. Um, they were British and, and Scottish. Came over and settled in hmm. in Ontario, Canada in like the 1850s. But um, 
So going way back, three, four, yeah, great, great, whatever. Grandpa <laughs> was, uh, he had this church that he kind of founded on close to his farm um, out in Ontario. And then he was, he was a real man of God and he claimed like seven generations for the Lord. I don't know why he, wow. why he said seven, but I've talked to my other cousins um, who are, um, several of them are, you know, really into, you know, married to pastors and, and um, have been real instrumental ministry. And I mean, our kids, so my kids, that's the seventh generation. Okay. So I don't know why he picked seven or wh- whatever, yeah. but. <laughs> keep keep yeah. claiming them. Yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll take seven more. <laughs> yes. Seven more generations for the Lord. But, um, but my great aunt, Ruth Baker, she was, um, so Amy, simple McPherson, mm-hmm. so founded the Square, Four Square Church. Yeah, she had all this revival stuff going on in the twenties and thirties, and they had this um, Bible school, Angeles Temple in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And she was a young woman, and she um, she went to that, and then um, worked with Amy, and then was a church planner up and down the West Coast. So wow. in the 40s and 50s, she would, so there's churches in Washington, there's Canada, British Columbia, and down in California. And then as she got older, she went to, uh, she was on staff at their um, college in Los Angeles. And she was, um, she spoke a lot. Um, and then she was, you know, worked there, I guess, in the library and a few things like that, but was, and taught. So, wow. so she was in that. And I didn't, I didn't appreciate that till like later after she was actually dead, but she was, <laughs> she died in the early nineties. Okay. And I just remember she would come to Rolette to visit and she, she drove this big old Ford boat, which mm-hmm. I wish I had now. I mean, I, you know, at the time it was like, ah, you know, these, you know, they're not cool looking, you know, they're yeah. driving this kind of old 1960s car, which is a great old car. And, and she was, you know, prim and proper and, mm-hmm. and, and, and older and, and, um, I didn't appreciate what she cared. I wish I could talk to her now, but, and a couple of my cousins too, we've talked about that. Oh, we could wish we could talk to Aunt Ruth and hear her stories, but she was, she was in on all the things that were happening in the thirties and forties and revival, yeah. what was going on with that. And she had stories about, you know, people lining up and, you know, throwing their canes away in their wheelchairs and, yeah. you know, bringing the sick and people getting healed at those big services that, that Amy would have mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. And she was part of that. So she had stories like that. That's and awesome. I, uh, I didn't appreciate till later just what, what she carried, but I've, I've talked to people since then who just said, you know, she was, who were in the four square church when like, you know, when she'd come and speak, you know, she was like the Billy Graham of their denomination. I mean, she would speak and she carried this presence and had this, um, history. And there's a, a book called Amy and yeah. it was a auto, it was a biography this guy wrote, but she's referenced in that several times. He went to interview her before she died in the nineties, but, wow. that's, that's um, yeah. So I always like that. Yeah. That she was doing that back then. And there was part of that history, but you know, I was a, teenager when she'd come and visit and you know just wasn't wasn't cool driving in this big old car and that's that's hilarious <laughs> yeah i wish i regret that <laughs> yeah well if you're out there and you don't know who amy semple mcpherson is that's it that's her homework do some research yeah. on uh she was groundbreaking her and 
Catherine Coleman okay. and Raya Woodworth Eder. They were kind of in a little bit different time time frames, but all powerful women of God who who God used mightily. And Amy Semple McPherson was really interesting because she she used any and all means she could to get people into um, a, a meeting, a gathering to hear the gospel and to see the power of God. You know, there was big displays of, of you know she do shows and and different things just to draw people in to hear the gospel so it was it was a uh, cutting edge for its time we'll put it that way yeah so um let's talk a little bit about your dad you mentioned him in in your story of of going off to to med school and just how important he he was in your life uh talk about how he sort of inspired you is he the reason why you went into medicine and and what you saw him growing up doing in his practice sure yeah and i mean he obviously he was so my father was um in family practice but back then he uh he trained up in canada and then my parents came across in 1960 um but he was jack of all trades, did surgery, delivered babies, um, took care of people in the emergency room, saw everyone in the office. So there, no one really practices like that anymore unless they're like up in Alaska or something like that right. you know, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> but he kind of did everything. So I, that's kind of what I was grew, grew up watching. And so that obviously inspired me. Mm-hmm. And um, they would, uh, we would go on these, we went on quite a few medical mission trips when we were mm. kids. The whole, they'd take the whole family. That was kind of our summer vacation. Wow. And go to Latin America. I went to Dominican and, and Haiti and just, um, they, they do that, but not, not quite as, um, much anymore. Um, but you take the whole family and the whole family helps. So work in the pharmacy, work, work with dentists, work in the office, um, seeing patients, so obviously that that had a lot of impact on me and yeah. I just remember one one day it was it was tired and you know, I woke up in the morning and I was oh, I just you know another day of this but I but I was excited so I thought if I could um maybe I should look into that as a career uh, if it was you can be tired and you still like getting up in the morning and doing what you're doing so so I started exploring that as a career but I, I do think um anything you do is a calling so I mean you need to you need to feel called to it, and uh, and sometimes you you might change what you do, um, but the Lord gives you passion and a calling, and He um, He kind of guides and directs what you do. Yeah, and um, and you know sometimes people you know struggle; they don't know what to do, you know, one way or the other. But you know, I think you just need to step out, and um, you know, doors open, doors close. Um, he gives favor. Yeah. Um, and he guides and directs, so he doesn't, I don't think you have to worry about the future as far as, you know, young people, what am I going to do and this and that. You know, God will will guide and direct and the Holy Spirit will guide and direct. That's right. And you just, you just listen to him. That's good. Yeah, tell us a little bit about what you learned from your dad. There's a, there's a quote that you guys have oh, yeah. hung up on your wall at your house. Yeah, so I remember my dad and my parents, they were always generous. And you know how you say things, I mean, now I think back on things I said when all that my kids are grown, but you say things that stick with your kids. And so it's always important just to 
make sure you're saying what 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 you want them to remember you know right. <laughs> and you can't you're not perfect i mean yeah you get upset this and that but you say things and so he uh it was just kind of an off he was telling somebody i wasn't even talking to him he's just telling somebody at a little church um that we we're going to so um it was way back it was up in saskatchewan that's where he's from and we went up there and there was this little struggling church that my aunt and uncle were going to and he remember him telling the pastor something like that or telling some people in the church, you know, you can never outgive the Lord. Yeah. He said, I've learned that. You can just you can never outgive him, no matter how much you give, he always gives more back. Mm-hmm. And um and I and I've I totally think that's true. I've just seen Jan and I've seen that in their own lives that you just can't outgive him, whether it's yeah. finances or time or anything. Because in the end it's all his. That's and right. um you know, as I get older it's kinda like, you know, yeah, yeah work hard and you you know you try and get yourself established and this and that and then i see people in the latter part of their life you know they worked hard and and you know that's nothing wrong with that but it was like you need to be generous on the way because you know like no one's taking it you're not taking any of it with you that's right like, none of it goes with you <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you know all of us are all of us are equal when we die you know mm-hmm. we don't take anything with us and and all of us have the same you know, body that's mortal that starts to fail. And so, you know, I see as a physician, I mean, I'm a urologist, so a lot of my patients are older mm-hmm. and I see people towards the end of their lives and, you know, whether they were rich and famous, whether they were, you know, normal people, um, you know, everyone faces the same thing and we all have the same diseases that we come down with and the, the things that, um, you know, that are mortal bodies see. And so no one's immune from that. And uh, so I think it's important to always remember it's all his and that's the only thing that really counts is what you mm-hmm. is what you store up in heaven. So my parents are always generous. I've always thought it's just generosity is just what to do. Yeah. It just flows through your hands. You know, he blesses you and then you and it just goes out. You're just a steward of his resources. And then uh, and then if you do that then you know, then the the finances, you know, everything is kind of like, it's all his. So, mm-hmm. um, I think it, t- it just takes the burden off you, right. you know, like he's in charge, yeah. um, of, of all that. So, so I, I learned that from my parents. I learned, um, and then just growing up in a Christian home and then just being exposed to things of the spirit. Um, uh, I, I just always will always be grateful for that. So I encourage anyone who's, you know, if you're new to new to Christianity, you know, you know, establish your family, you know, uh, you know, you can change your destiny and trajectory of a family. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, your, your family can go forward serving the Lord right. and just try and instill that in your kids as much as you can. Mm-hmm. That's good. Talk about your your practice a little bit and how you've learned over the years to, you know, basically let Jesus practice with you, your your partners in in, in your practice, and um, what what has that been been like? What you know, maybe give a couple examples of of uh, times where you're where you've really felt like, you know, what I'm doing this with with Jesus. Yeah, sure. And I think I'll, uh, and I do have, uh, there's one other thing I remember uh, that from growing up, um, a testimony that it's just one of the coolest ones um, that I remember from growing up and uh, and just inspired me in medicine. What was, so I'd, I mean, my father would, and I do too, I mean, he would, he would pray for his patients and he would pray. It was just if things were bothering him, and everyone does, you know, does that. If there's things bothering you at, at work, or you have decisions to make, and this and that, no matter what profession you're in, you know, you're praying to the Lord about it at night, and just trying to give it to Him. 
but there was this uh he practiced in roulette and so the turtle mountain indian reservation was just to the north and he had this one uh um, native american who was i guess he was a chief um you know an elder in the tribe up there and uh so dad always enjoyed seeing him as a patient and you know just talking about things and just about just history and just about um you know the native americans and their culture uh, but the guy got sick and he uh basically was in a coma and uh and dad really felt bad he came home and he was like telling mom he just felt bad that he had spent all this time talking to the guy but the guy didn't know the lord you know mm. he didn't know the lord and, and it really burdened him so so he was like um praying at night and this our house was like two blocks from the hospital and the nurses at the hospital and it was kind of neat back then it was this little hospital and most of the staff all the staff basically went to church yeah. and were Christian and you know more than half the staff were committed Christians it's just wow. the way it was but it, it was a little hospital and middle of the night the guy kind of came to and um, you know it was like three in the morning one of the nurses called my dad woke him up and like you know so-and-so is awake and I know you were you wanted to pray with him so so he got up drove down there and and prayed and led, led the guy to the lord wow <laughs> and then went back home went to bed and came in around the morning the guy was gone wow yeah that's amazing so you know basically he um you know woke him up to to get saved and then he um the guy passed on but so those were the kind of things that kind of impacted me going into medicine yeah, yeah for sure so things about patients what all you know the about what I've learned is probably the biggest opposition or just um, obstacle sharing price in, in the practice was was me um, just learning to kind of live hear the Holy Spirit and then just be comfortable going forward and saying things right so it's not it's not other people it's no not, it was you it was you yeah because I think I've always felt like if you no matter what you're in if you just lead with the Holy Spirit if you're trying to do it and and do it on your own you'll fail and and so don't you don't have to you don't have to make anything happen so if you let the Holy Spirit lead and if he got you know if he just tells you to say something or do something then just do it yeah and I've never had opposition or any problems kind of doing it that way wow and uh that's how jesus did it right? yeah he only only did what, what he what saw he the father doing yeah and he heard so if you listen and there was one time uh it was a while back with this one patient you know i just you're busy in the office and stuff like that and he at the end of it he kind of chewed me out a little bit he just said i, I thought you were going to pray with me oh. <laughs> i was like oh i'm sorry yeah he said yeah you know you heard you pray you're praying doctor and i thought i was gonna you're gonna pray with me and i thought maybe i should but i didn't oh. and then i thought oh okay so i need to so we did pray and it actually he had his daughter and he were estranged and were praying for family unity and stuff like that and wow it was all about you know he came there because he couldn't he had trouble peeing his prostate was too big <laughs> but, uh, it turned but he out, needed his family he, to be right he needed this so so family thing in the office but that's how the holy spirit works you know yeah. he guide and direct so i think that's the main thing if you just kind of listen and you know you don't have to some days maybe not too much happens and then other days things happen and sometimes you don't even realize they happen I remember this one patient who had a, oh yeah, I'd seen him for a lot of stuff, prostate cancer and then this and that, but he had Parkinson's and he was really, I watched him for almost 15 years just kind of fail with mm -hmm. Parkinson's 
and uh, was kind of coming to the end of his life. But I was always impressed that he was just joyful and just um, he was handling it okay. I thought, I thought, man, I'd, I'd be. Yeah, he just had a lot of stuff, but he always had a good attitude. So I, I told him that one day. I just said, you know, I've watched you through all this, and I just thought I should. I mean, I just yeah. felt the Holy Spirit tell me that. And yeah, and I said, I think you should. I'm just to admire how you've just handled all this adversity. And he thanked me for that. And then as I walked out, he was telling my nurse, he's like, you know, that's the um, nicest thing anyone ever said to me. Wow. And I was just like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a. a just kind of a blind comment i felt holy spirit telling me to do that wow. and that's why i say when you say things to people you just never know what where your words will kind of go yeah the word, um, words i had this one time where a patient had a, a wrong a wrong appointment i mean he wasn't he actually had gastric cancer but he was having back pain and um so they're working him up for that and he had a little blood in his urine or something like that so so anyway they they made this appointment for urology and in the meantime they kind of find out the real problem is he's got stomach cancer wow so he comes to the office and i'm and i'm like looking like well i you know should we just you don't need to you're we don't need this appointment today um <laughs> But but the guy showed up and and I thought well I'll talk to him yeah you know I mean I just I could have just said hey you know no charge I'm sorry you got in and but so I talked to him and it, as it turned out he was actually very I mean this was a distressing diagnosis he succumbed to his illness probably six months later but he was mm -hmm. uh, um, he was just talking and I could tell he was just you know scared and. Um, so I just talked to him for a while, and then he uh, and we prayed sinner's prayer. He got hmm. saved, wow. and then he left. <laughs> I never wow. saw, there you go. I never saw him again. But I, I saw that he had died about six months after that. Wow. But I was like, you know, he had, there was always it was I would say wrong appointment came to get saved that he, day. He had the right appointment. The right appointment. Yeah. So there's never any kind of coincidences in the kingdom. Um, there's this. Uh, this is one of my favorite stories. He's he's a good friend of mine. And he says I, he, it's okay for me to kind of talk about it. But it was this is a while back. He had he had bladder cancer, and he he's doing fine. He's like 20 years cancer free now. But he was um, just not doing well at the time. I mean, it was uh, just very much scared of the diagnosis and then just trying to you know part of the, the whole thing about it, it's not so much the disease but it's also like the, you know the emotional part of the disease that's hard for right. uh, people to handle and that's just half the you know, half the battle is the physical the other half is is the mind mm -hmm. um and dealing with that and so he was he was he um he was just not handling it well and i really felt okay i had this um, drew some her eyes and man this is going way back so you guys don't remember that but this was something I'd play my kids We it was just this video and it was this great worship music and they would um and we go to the kids would go to sleep to it. So anyway, I just felt I should give him this um, DVD of Jerusalem Arise. And uh, so he said, fine. So he, he went home and then he came, I saw him a couple weeks later and he said, you know, I've, I tried to listen to that whole thing, but every time I did, I just fell asleep. And uh, I was like, and I was like, that was it. That's he wasn't sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was listening to Jerusalem Arise and he was going to sleep. And, and he needed sleep and that's what he needed rest. Yeah. Uh, there was another time where patients tend to, and, and it's, you know, tend to, 
especially these days with information, they can get on the internet and look up a lot of things. So they come you know, prepared for their visits and sometimes too prepared, I think. Yeah. <laughs> There's just a lot of info out there and uh, it's hard to, you know, kind of sort it out what it is. But this, this guy came, he had prostate cancer and he was, he pretty much was going to go through the options, but he just, we did. And then he was just telling me about this newer, kind of more experimental thing that he wanted to do and he wanted to go out east and, and have it done hmm. i'm like okay and i've just been reading i just read something the night before this whole synopsis this article about it so i said well, okay fine so i <laughs> copied it and gave it to him <laughs> and i was kind of thinking at the time in my you know, i was like yeah, just read that too buddy you know it's kind of like you know you know, why come talk to me because you you got it all you know figured out I mean, it wasn't, right? and then um so I, I gave it to him here's some more reading material and then and then the holy spirit just checked me i mean i was just like just check i remember that day it was like it's almost like he just it didn't hit me but he just stopped my mind i was like you know it kind of had that attitude like oh hey read some more here's some more stuff but the, i i just all of a sudden just felt this compassion for the guy mm -hmm. and um and uh, it, it was, I mean, it was like night and day all of a sudden, just, ooh, you know, I felt this compassion. So I started talking to him and I realized he was, the reason he knew so much, because he was terrified of the disease. So he was staying up all night wow. online, looking up stuff. Sure. And he had no peace. And I thought, oh, okay. okay. So I'm sorry, Lord. So I just told him, I knew he was a believer. I just said, need to, uh, you know, here's your options. You know, you and your wife go home. And, uh, and I think I had a, a worship CD. I gave it to him. Like, wow. go home, listen to this, lay on the floor, and, and pray. And yeah. just come back next week and tell me what you want to do. Wow. And so he did. And uh, he came back, and his countenance was changed. And he was just like, cool. I know I know what I want to do. I want this. You know, it was one of the standard treatments that he was going to do. And, hmm. and I feel at peace. And he's cancer-free. I mean, I, he's been discharged awesome. from the practice for you know, a while. But... Um, yeah, so listening to Holy Spirit, those are kind of some of my favorite stories of practice those, of, of what he's done. Those are awesome. And most of you listening probably aren't in the medical field, but there's people that are hurting. There's people that need peace. There's people that need comfort. There's people that need healing in whatever field you're in. So just be open and be listening to Holy Spirit and, and who he leads you to talk to. Mm -hmm. So, um Talk to us about the unique perspective you have as a medical professional in in how God designed us uh, to to heal our, our bodies yeah. heal and so often we have this perspective you know we love to see supernatural healing supernatural miracles all those sort of things but but God also designed us to heal and just tell us a little bit about how you see that in from the unique perspective you have yeah so I um. You know, obviously at our church, we pray for healing. We love to see God move in the supernatural. But I, I think that the, one of the most powerful ways of healing is what I call natural healing. I mean, just how God designed the body. Yeah. There is so much redundancy in it, in the different systems. There's This can go wrong, but this can pick it up. And it, and then the, the different levels and layers, I've always been fascinated by the human body. And so I thought just going into medicine, like I'll never, I thought I'll never get bored. <laughs> I'll never understand it all because, it's, <laughs> you know, the more you know, the less you know. I mean, they're just, mm -hmm. the more, what I thought we knew in med school, what we understand now on a molecular cellular level is in genetic level, just, just dwarfs what we knew back then. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just amazing just how he's, how he's designed things. But 
the body has a, a natural ability to heal and um, and i've always been amazed by that and uh so like a lot of what i do is i'm a surgeon and uh i remember when one surgeon um he's retired now but he said he, he always tells his patients you know you know that the surgeon cuts but god heals yeah i mean i depend on that every day i make an incision mm-hmm. and if the bleeding the, the bleeding doesn't clot right and the tissues don't heal um you know everything i do is is for naught so wow. i depend all the time on the body healing when you do surgery um to try and help a person get over an illness one of my favorite classes in med school was um embryology so study the unborn which you know we know more about mars than we do about <laughs> what goes on wow. <laughs> it's you know from conception through birth is like just the most incredible journey that we just I mean ethically you can't really study it and we have some ways now just with imaging and stuff but sure. um, about just how God knits you together in the womb and hmm. he says that in, in Psalms yeah about yeah. you're wonderful you know wonderfully created and uh, so they had it was first year med school they had this class it was it was Saturday morning at eight o'clock so it's like <laughs> rough <laughs> you've been through school all week and then you had to go to show up at eight o'clock for class and <laughs> You know, a lot of my classmates are kind of like hungover and just kind of, you know, half asleep. And, yeah. I, and I was kind of a nerd, but I was bright-eyed listening because the embryology fascinated me. Just tell mm-hmm. he, he kind of went through the stages of what happens um, to an unborn child as they're from conception on up. So, I think, uh, you know, birth is just one of the greatest miracles to bring forward is to bring a child forward. Yeah. And, uh, you know, most people... I mean, you know, something's going on. Women do, and, and husbands, <laughs> but what you know, just the intricacy of all that, and, and the fact too that you, despite all that we go through in the environment and what you do, it you know, most of the time, you know, babies are tough. You know, I mean, they they yeah. they have this immune system. They have, uh, you know, they're prepared to to meet the world, and uh, that's why I'm a just watching how God put the human body together. And I also thought too, in that embryology class, how could you ever believe in evolution? It's just like, (laughs) (laughs) there is a creative intent, design, divine intervention in this whole thing. You know, it's just like, how can you not? How can you not? It's a miracle. It is. It's a miracle. Every birth, like every time we have a baby, a baby dedication, it is a miracle that that child is there. Yeah. That's so good. The family has that. So, yeah. So God, uh, you know, we love supernatural healing and uh, we love watching what God does. But, you know, the biggest miracle was how he brought you from, you know, a sperm and an egg (laughs) to birth. (laughs) It's just like incredible what he did to bring you forward. Yeah. It's as much of a miracle as the miracle of eternal life. Yeah. Like, yeah. A lot of people describe that as the greatest miracle that we're a new creation while well, he created us in the first place. In the first and place. It's, <laughs> so yeah. it's it's an equal miracle. So it's amazing. Um, <clears throat> we'll transition into some uh, a little different line of questioning. This one I've always just wanted to ask you, but did you ever think you were going to be married to a pastor? Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> I did... Uh... So when when Jan and I first started dating, um, there was this gentleman, Doctor Reed. He's passed on now. Just he was this great general surgeon, charismatic, um, Holy Spirit inspired surgeon. Lived down in Florida, and I, I remember visiting with my parents. Knew him, visiting with him, and he and my mom was like, "Yeah, Ted met somebody, and he's kind of interested in her." And, and and he looks at me, and he goes, "And again, this is like this stuff you say, and you you just." 
don't know what it's going to do. You know, I mean, so right. watch your words. But he just said, you know, if I was a young man like you, I'd find the woman full of Holy Ghost as I can. And, uh, you know, as spirit inspired as I can. That's who I'd marry. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I just met her. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> just met her. So <laughs> we were like engaged shortly after that. Wow. But, but again, it wasn't like... You know, my heart had been primed, and then he just says that, and I'm trying to say, and then it's like, okay, yes, there it is. There it is. There's that that there's that confirming word. But cool. I um, I think I I would have starting out, I'd have been content to be a urologist, and you know, maybe teach Sunday school, be on a board or something like that. And, you know, founding, you know, having a ministry and having started a church that was never on my horizon right. in a million years. Yeah. Um, and even some of you have heard about, you know, there's this prophecy years ago about Jane and I were pulled out at this conference about, you know, having a ministry in churches. And, and at the time, I was a urologist. She was a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. And uh, that was, like, so foreign. It was just, like, it didn't even <laughs> register. Like, I thought this guy behind me, he was looking, she was looking at the wrong guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, you, you put those prophetic words and you put them on the shelf. And then you wait and you write it. I think you should write them down. And then you look at it. And we look at that word all the time now. Because yeah. what he's saying was like so far, you know, like, but it's all it's coming true. Yep. It's all coming true. That's um, amazing. <laughs> so I think uh, if you, people want to know, you know, they pray for what, what God wants them to do. And at least for me, you know, he told, he tells you in part, because if he told you the plan, I'd probably run the other way. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, I just like, ah, I don't know if I'm <laughs> up for later. that. Yeah. yeah. You know, some people want the whole plan and sometimes he lays that out for them. And, and but I think at least for me, I could only, I could only handle so much at a time because you know who I was, what yeah. I was, yeah. what I, my comfort level. So he's gracious like yeah, that. Yeah, he is. Yeah. That's good. Let's uh, transition to even some, some lighter questions than that. Uh, this one I like to ask sometimes, if, if you could meet one historical figure, uh, and this this part no longer alive, uh, who would it be and why? Yeah, okay. Well, first one it was easy, Ronald Reagan. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and I actually, uh, oh, we moved into a new house last month. I was working at my office last night. I have a portrait of him that I just hung back up <laughs> that go. I've had for years with a bunch of his quotes. But I, um, he was... Uh, uh, you know he was, cons- you know he was conservative. He was, um, but he had a faith, and I appreciated his faith. Um, and he had just a humility about him, hmm. and um, and he just wasn't. Uh, he went to politics after he had a career, and then went into politics after that wasn't his first career. And yeah. I was appreciated that he was humble, and um, just had this unique um, perspective on life. But what what I've always admired was like you know he. He was there at the downfall of the of the um, Iron Curtain, the Soviet Union, yeah, and opened up Eastern Europe um, to the gospel, yeah, and like the Ukraine, you know, they're fighting now, but I mean, all this, these ministries that have gone in, and he opened up Eastern Europe to the gospel. So I mean, hmm. I think for the cause of Christ and spreading the gospel, uh, you know, as much influence as Billy Graham or something. I mean, he wow. he opened up millions and millions of people to be able to have churches and open up that region of the world so i, I that's, you know that's cool that's yeah. a unique perspective yeah. i haven't thought of it that way yeah that, that's awesome what's your favorite food well it has to be seafood sushi things like that raw oysters yeah weird okay. stuff. yeah <laughs> did you get that from when you grew or when you went out out east to to school or where did you always have that? i always like seafood my okay. parents ate weird food they, they didn't <laughs> they weren't meat and potatoes people they were always 
adventure adventuresome eating yeah i like that so that was okay. kind of me so yeah okay yeah um this is this might be an interesting one. If you could go back in time and choose a different career uh, besides going into medicine, what might you have done? Yeah, so I I had I have a lot of interest. So there's things I there's probably a lot of different things I could have done. I like I like history yeah. and uh, I I like I could have seen maybe history professor at a Bible school or something like that. Okay. I love history. Uh, I love finance. Um, just not so much just you know how to make money but just the whole process of of how the economy runs and that kind of thing sure. kind of fascinates me so there'd probably be things like that but i, I think you know maybe teach at a i probably taught and did something with history and maybe even bible history something like that so cool there, those are those are the things i read now so i, I like to read history and yeah and so those things i'm reading now so that's probably what i would have done yeah i could definitely see you as a professor yeah. professor ted the dr ted of <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. Of a different sort yeah <laughs> that's awesome awesome well Ted, thank you so Thanks much for, for your time. Yeah. yeah, it was just amazing to hear hear your stories, hear your history, and just uh, the wisdom that you were able to to interject that you've learned in in your own life and and shared with the listeners. So I appreciate that. I appreciate you uh, just for who you you've been in my life as well. So thank you, thank you so much for your time. But uh, I mean, to sum it up, I'll just say I. You know, a life um, following after the Lord is never, um, you'll never regret that. And it's uh, its like the adventure of a lifetime. It's just, you know, it's, you know, there's ups and downs, sure. I mean, things happen, but you just, as you, I mean, I'm older now, I'm 61, almost 62. I can look back and go, oh, yeah, that's what he was doing back then. But I, I couldn't see it at the time. Right. I didn't realize it at the time. You just have to trust and know that he's got your back and, and leading you forward. But you know, following him and uh, and just, you know, trying to do your best to follow him and listen to him. Um, there's nothing. It's just an exciting way to do life. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's a good word right there, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we'll wrap up this episode of the Burning Hearts podcast. Um, as always, if you have feedback, uh, shoot us uh, an email at info at burningheartsfargo.com or reach out on social media. Other than that, uh, as always, keep the fire burning. Mm-hmm.